Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial. I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. And this is the program where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Thank you for joining us today. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Roy Osing. Roy is the president and CEO of Brilliance for Business, and he's also the author of the Be Different or Be Dead series, which is uh, up to seven books now. The seventh book is called Audacious, unheard of the un, whoa, I can read the audacious, unheard of ways I took a startup to a billion in sales. Roy, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hey, Dave, thanks very much. I'm delighted and grateful to be here. It's our pleasure. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your background, Roy? So my uh, my background is is rooted uh, literally four decades ago in the telecom business when it was morphing itself from a monopoly uh, into a competitive business. And I had the challenge of basically um, leading what was then a neophyte data business uh, into the brave new internet world to unlock the power of the internet. And uh, so most of my life has been spent trying to figure out how to break away from what worked yesterday into what was needed in terms of uh, today's environment and the pressures that we have. So you might, you might say my, my experience is in breaking away uh, and using audacious moves in order to do it. Yeah, and we're, I'm really excited to talk about that. But let me ask you first to just talk about the the series, the Be Different or Be Dead series. How'd that come about? Well, it, it uh, I wrote my first book called Be Different or Be Dead, Your Business Survival Guide in 2009, as a matter of fact. So, you know, the content is like 13 years old. And um, I, I wrote it um, because at that time I was really concerned and I continue to be concerned about the level of differentiation going on in, in the world and in business particularly, because I'm not really happy with the way organizations try and separate themselves. And we can talk about that if you want. But it was, uh, it was the essence of my first book, uh, which was really intended to, to address that, that issue. How can we answer the question? Um, to a, a customer might have, which is why should I do business with you and not your competitor? So I built, I, I did the book then, and it went through a couple of editions, etc. And uh, subsequently, I, I started to write, take a deep dive into marketing and, and careers and leadership, etc. And wrote some eBooks on that. Leading up to about uh, 12 to 18 months ago, I decided to do a, an update of the original version uh, because I've learned a lot about my stuff in the last 13 years, as you can imagine, um, and the world is different. And so the new book, uh, Audacious Unheard of Ways I Took a Startup to a Billion, is really oriented around the challenges that organizations have to grow. And it contains chapters about strategy, uh, careers, marketing, sales, and service, but all from a practical point of view, Dave. And that's the, the point I want to I want to leave with your listeners. My work is not um, is, is not solely a theoretical piece because quite frankly my my role as a leader was was based on on doing stuff uh, getting things done through people and, and messy environments uh, my stuff is theoretically okay but the thing that differentiates it from the work of other people is that it's really practical and simple and lights fires in people and that was my job as an audacious leader to get people excited about stuff so that they would actually execute better and we would have a high performance organization. And so that's what that was all about. Really simple stuff, 
do what people know is necessary, light their fires, get it done. That's who I am. And we're going to dive into that because I want to talk to you about audacious leadership. But before I do, Roy, um, some folks who are watching and listening may hear the words audacious leadership and figure that's just a catchy marketing phrase. But as the title of your book says, you, you took a startup to a billion. So let, let's establish the social proof here first that this stuff works. Yeah, well, it's true. I keep saying that. I mean, it's this is not kind of like a sexy way of, of coming up with another brand for leadership. Uh, I chose... I chose the word audacious actually last year when I was reflecting on, on how to title this latest book. And, and I hit on audacious because it really, it really exemplifies what I believe in and what I've done. Like audacious fundamentally is about boldness. It's about going against the flow. It's about courageousness. It's about fearlessness. And when you have to, when you have to, to break away from traditional concepts and introduce new ones, that's what you need. You're not going to get there by incremental thinking. You're not going to get there, Dave, by pivoting, which I've got a lot of problems with because pivot to me is an incremental move on an existing fulcrum. I'm about blowing up the fulcrum and creating a new one to go in a different direction. And so, uh, so, so yeah, audacious is exactly what we need in the, or in the world today in terms of organizations. We don't need insipid mediocre thinking. We don't need textbook thinking. We need audacious leadership to take people to a new world, to take them where they haven't been before, because those are the challenges that organizations face today. It's a tough world, and you're not going to get there by doing the same stuff that worked yesterday. And so, yeah, that's audaciousness. Uh, it's not sexy. I'll tell you what, if, if audaciousness did not drive uh, high performance in an organization, you and I would, would not be having this conversation. Because to your point, I always go back and say, look, at if, if I weren't able to drive top line towards a billion dollars, I wouldn't have done it. Okay, the very fact that it worked is justification that says, you know, we need to look at concepts like this way more detailed. Our schools need to, our universities need to get rid of marketing 101, get into audacious 202. Let's get into it then, okay? Let, let, let's talk about some concepts around defining what is audacious leadership. And let's go through some things that maybe the audience can take away as, as actionable um, ways to change their behaviors. And in, in your book and on your website, you, you talk about several different things. And I'm, I'm going to throw some at you here, but one at a time, Roy, and take this wherever you feel is best to go. But uh, one of the things that you start off with is about being different, Right. You emphasize differences, not similarities. Yeah, so so there are various components. Um, think about it this way: I've I've tried to categorize this just from a communications point of view, and and say that there are four fundamental planks to my audacious leadership practice, and that's what it is. The first is be different, and I'm going to come back to these. The second is execute. The third is serve. And the fourth is kind of controversial, uh, is do it yourself. So let me start with, with the be different piece. The be different piece of the audacious work is all about trying to help organizations and people clarify how they are special in a way that their customers, for example, care about. And so today, I mean, I'm, I'm frustrated when I, when I look at a, a competitive claim it's replete with words like we are better, we are best, 
we're number one. We're the market leader. Now, the reality, Dave, is those are meaningless expressions. They don't give customers a reason, a good clarification and a reason why they should choose one a business over another. And they're, they're just claptrap. I call them claptrap. I mean, they don't mean anything. Uh, but we use them, all right, because aspirations make us feel good. And so we aspire to be the, the ones that are going to be saving the planet, et cetera, et cetera. And I use that as an example because there's a lot out there like that. And there's some well-known companies that use Claptrap. I'm not saying you can't be successful, uh, a successful company and use Claptrap because you're successful for a lot of other reasons. I'm just saying there's a way for us to go in organizations to really be meaningful, okay, to the customers that we serve. And so the whole be different piece of audacious leadership is about trying to clarify what makes us special in a way that our customers care about. And so I created this thing called the only statement. It was my solution. Like I can complain about, you know, how these competitive claims out there don't do the job, but I better have a solution. Otherwise, I don't have the right to criticize. And I do have a solution. And I created it like four decades ago. It's called the only statement. And it goes like this. Instead of saying that you're better at something, you are going to say that we are the only ones who do what we do. And you're going to define that. We are the only ones that. And you complete the sentence. Well, the interesting thing is about the only statement is it's really granular and it's clear and it's binary and it can be measured. Um, and so so let me let me sort of uh, let me let me give you an example here of of one that uh, that was actually that I actually helped a not for profit create create. OK, and this is an ambulance company. It says St. John Ambulance is the only first aid advocate that provides safety solutions anywhere, anytime. Now that's pretty, pretty specific. First of all, you'll notice it doesn't say anything about products because I'm, I'm against flogging products. What it does is talks about solutions anywhere, anytime. So what they've been able to do is clarify their position as to why somebody should, should support this particular not-for-profit as opposed to others. And so, you know, it goes on and on. But that was a huge piece. Of, of this of this be different element and I'm 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 grateful that people are starting to get onto that they're starting to I'm getting emails saying Roy could you help me out with my only and it's great right instead of saying it's a competitive claim we're now saying it's an only claim only claim that's the quest for us to be only at something that people care about not just for the sake of being different okay that's not where I'm coming from you need to be different you need to be the only that's something that people care about. And so it's important that you get granular in terms of defining who you're there to serve. So that's the different piece. It's huge. We could do a whole show on, on, on the only statement. Second piece is execution. <clears throat> plans, uh, look at, I'm not an advocate of, of strategic plans, okay, the way they're being done. And, and that's simply because they're not, in many cases, they're not actionable. And by the way, why would you ever have a five-year plan when the fourth year never shows up, Dave? <laughs> Okay, and, and it's the hockey stick. Everybody shoves out something out to the latter ends of the planning period. So I've had to create my own planning process that was built to execute. If you can't execute something, people, forget about it. I don't even want to talk about what is something that is academically pristine if I can't execute it in the market. Why? Because execution drives performance. That's why. And so leaders, audacious leaders, need to spend time in the mud in the dirt, on the front line, 
execute, execute, execute. So there's a whole piece in there around the planning process that, that I actually create. I call it my strategic game planning process that you can actually create in literally 48 hours and be in a position to execute it on the third day. The third element of audacious leadership is about serving. And I'm a little concerned about the way people are talking about servant leadership these days, as you might expect, Dave, because they refer to serving leadership, servant leadership, as a, as a leadership style, as a style, another style to get authority. Well, it's not that, right? It's I call it leadership by serving around, which is part of the audacious equation. And it starts out by asking people a simple question, how can I help? Now, why would I do that? Why would I spend literally 50% of my time in the workplace asking people how I can help? A really simple reason for that is if I can help them, they will execute their job better. And guess what happens? We just talked about execution, right? What happens is execution drives results. So I've got a huge piece on LBSA, leadership by serving around rooted in the question, how can I help? And the last Roy, piece, hey Roy, quickly, I, I hate to interrupt you, you're, you're but getting tired of this. Roy, I'm going on. I could do this for hours. Roy, Roy, the last I one is do it yourself, and it's called strategic micromanagement. You see, Dave, I think leaders delegate way too much because the textbooks say that that's what leaders should do. They shouldn't get buried in the details, and that's hogwash. There are certain strategic components of the business that leaders need to get immersed in. Right. They have to. I just mentioned one is execution. If you're not if you're not on the front lines with people understanding what's preventing execution and applying your fingerprints to providing solutions, you're not doing your job. So I got this huge uh, do it yourself piece around that that, you know, kind of makes some people go, wow, that's that's sort of different. Yeah, it is. That's against, right. You know, the, 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 the majority of people's views of the fact that leaders need to delegate. And I says, yeah, that's right. But you know what? At the end of the day, we built a billion dollar a year business using this principle. So try and tell me that it's not relevant. Yep. I got to take a breath, Dave. Roy, I, mean, I, Roy I hate to interrupt you. We're bumping up against a commercial here. So sit tight. Uh, you watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers. Let's go, Walter. Up to you. Walter, 12 o'clock. Come on, bud, you're scaring him. Walter, Walter. One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning. Okay, last one. I'm headed for a land that's far away beside the crystal fountain. So come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountain. That is incredible. I know, right? It's the multi-flex tailgate. It can be a step, you can extend the bed, it can even become a workspace. I met the cat. What's so great about him? He didn't have a workspace. He's a cat. <laughs> the Chevy Silverado with the available multi-flex tailgate. Walter, go get some firewood. Find new adventures, find new roads, Chevrolet. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about audacious leadership with Roy Osing. Roy, welcome back for round two. Right, let's do this. 
want to start off by, by getting a little bit more granular into the topics that you ended uh, the first segment with. You had the four components of audacious leadership, uh, but you also talk about being crazy and not normal. What do you mean by be crazy? Well, I, I guess what I'm, what I'm meaning is, is let's, not, let's not Google how other people do things. Okay, and let's not copy what we find on Google and claim that we're being creative because that's intellectually dishonest. You can't copy someone and say that you're being creative. And so my whole notion is to try and drive people's thinking outside of the box. And it's more than just thinking, as we talked earlier, it's about doing as well. And so I'm all about trying to figure out contrarian ways of, of, of approaching a problem ways that people haven't thought about before and getting away from the benchmarking world, which unfortunately for me gives me a whole lot of pain because it just promulgates sameness and mediocrity. So that's what I mean. I mean, crazy. This people haven't thought about before. I mean, it's interesting that schools don't teach us this, by the way, they teach us to conform and comply. And yet the real world demands that we be crazy. I mean, Steve Jobs said, you know, go hire weird people. Here's to the crazy ones. He nailed it. Just great stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because one of the uh, the classic pieces for me that brings it back is uh, in Seinfeld and George Costanza when he <laughs> realizes he needs to do the opposite to turn his life around. And that's the, your whole contrarian point. If everybody is doing things one way, maybe you need to be thinking about doing it differently. Yeah, I had I used to have this filter. Whenever I was asked to do something or given a challenge, my first thought was, how can I do this differently? How can I do this in a way that would surprise people? And by the way, that's another measure of crazy. Is it does it surprise people in a way, right, that 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 satisfies the objectives that you have? Because at the end of the day, you're not trying to be crazy for the sake of being crazy. I want to make that point again. You're being crazy as a tactic to drive superlative financial results. And so if you surprise people with what you do, there's a good chance that you're doing something in the crazy realm. Yep. Keep doing that. Hey, Roy, for folks who are watching and listening, want to learn more about you, how they can connect with you, get your books, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, my website is bedifferentorbedead.com. Uh, you can check out my books there. You can check out my blog. I blog every week. And the other thing, Dave, is I have an email. It's roy.osing at gmail.com. And I'm really happy to connect and engage with people on any of this stuff. If I can be helpful, if I can help you, then I'm interested in doing it. Because look, at we need to change the way we do things. Roy, you talk about focusing on customers and not products. On its face, that sounds like it's pretty straightforward, but why don't you explain the backstory? Well, the backstory on, on this is there's way too much product, what I call flogging going on. I mean, most organizations take their product and they flog it, they flog it, they flog it, they flog it, right? And it's based on cool technology and all this stuff. Okay, the reality is technology, right, it's, it's the benefit that sells. The value that sells the technology happens to be an enabler and so 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 my view is that we need to look at the customer uh, as a holistic entity and ask the question what are their what do they crave not not what do they need because most people's needs are already satisfied and so therefore if you're going to compete on what they need price is going to be really important and you're going to get forced and backed into commodity status, maybe, or margins are terrible. But the interesting thing is, if you if you try and figure out what people desire, what they lust, what they crave, you're in a completely different segment. Because now price is not that important. Because when you crave something, 
you generally are willing to pay a bit more money for it. Okay, just look at the automobile market and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of, of potential out there. And the other thing you find is there's relatively little competition in the craving space. So I think what we need to do is we need to shift our emphasis from that micro product into a macro customer and now start to ask the question, what do they crave? And start to build a marketing philosophy and a marketing engine around the craving space and get the heck out of the need space. Because uh, I actually think that, you know, there's a, there's a ton of a more margin there and it's a more fun place to play anyways. I mean, the, the I'm going to plug these guys, right? The heart attack grill in Las Vegas sells a triple bypass burger that is the best selling burger. I don't know. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's not healthy. Not my point. But somebody craves a triple bypass burger, not just a hamburger, a triple bypass burger that's served by a servers dressed like nurses and busboys dressed like orderlies. I mean, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. That's out of there. I love the approach, not necessarily the, the health angle, perhaps, but it's an excellent example of playing to cravings and going contrary to the flow. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of words in that little riff there, commodity and pricing. And I want to ask you for folks who are in the professional services space, so think accountants, attorneys, contractors, construction, what have you, where a, a potential customer may look at them in the entirety as a commodity. You're all the same, so my decision point's based on price. What do you recommend for them? How do they overcome that, that commodity stigma? So the way to do it is they need an only statement. They need to do the work around only they need to they need to have this whole be different journey in their blood it's got to be in their veins dave otherwise it won't happen the reason they're a commodity is they don't give the customer any other reason but price to choose them and so it's it's our own fault when we end up into a commodity because we as i say we don't give the consumer or customer any other reason to buy from us so my recommendation is and that's why i did this go to the only learn it understand what it is, ask for help. It's hard work, okay? But once you have a draft only statement, now you have something, right? That you can work on that will const that will keep you away from that, that really dark space, which is the commodity world. Yeah, Roy, we've only got about three or four minutes to go here in the program, but I just wanted to ask you one last thing here about building an amazing brand. You mentioned that that's something that uh, that you've done, and what's your advice for uh, folks who are watching and listening on how they can incorporate this construct of audacious leadership to build a brand that really resonates in the marketplace? Well, again, I'm, I'm going to have to be a bit repetitive, which, which quite frankly, I, I don't apologize for because people learn it different ways. But if, if, you, if you don't have a unique position for yourself, Okay, then your brand ends up being like everybody else's brand. And you will end up using words like better and best, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have to go back to that basic work, okay, that 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 helps you define um, where you are. Here's my only statement, Dave. Roy Osing is the only author, entrepreneur, and executive leader who delivers practical and proven, audacious, unheard of ways to build high-performing businesses and successful careers. There is nobody else out there that talks this stuff. And so that's my brand, okay? But it's all based on differentiation. And it's all based on, I've been working with this only stuff for so long, it's, it's part of my DNA. 
And so if, 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 it's not incremental, right? People can't just say, well, you know, their brand is based around their, their, their conflict management skills, but no, everybody claims that you got to do your only work. If you don't do your only work, you'll never have uh, an audacious brand. It'll be like everybody else's. And that may be okay for some people, not for me. Yeah. And that you're right. That is tough work because I can imagine a lot of folks who are watching and listening, thinking about their own personal only statement. And does that necessarily apply to their firm? And, you know, where, where do you take that, right? If the firm's not aligned with your only statement, uh, I imagine that's a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, careers are extremely competitive. I mean, I, I did this with myself all the time. I was always looking for ways to differentiation, differentiate myself and stand out in a way that was meaningful to the organization. I want to underscore that again. It's not just for the purpose of doing it. It's, it's, to, it's to make a contribution, a unique contribution to the organization and where it's going. That's the essence of the only statement. Yep. Roy, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. I'm grateful, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. We've been talking with Roy Osing, who is the author of the Be Different or Be Dead series. Be sure to check it out and uh, grab your copies. Good stuff there in, in both the conversation and in what he writes about. Again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can always reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, I want to thank you for watching and listening. We can't do it without you out there, so thank you. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can stay in touch with us. And if you like what you heard today, please feel free to leave a review. Uh, again, until we see you next time, take care, everybody.